0: hey y'all this is sam and this is steven and this is Criminology. this is season four um i'm super pumped so since we've started a crime podcast and we tell people that we do a crime podcast they're like oh so you do like ted bundy and jeffrey dahmer and i'm like no i try to stick away from those and i guess the reason part of it is that these cases are so well known so I don't want to miss something or I don't want to say something wrong and then have literally everybody down my throat. But then it's also like, there's nothing new that I'm going to be adding to these. So is why I've always strayed from it until I discovered 90% of the cases that I thought everyone in the world knew. Stephen doesn't know. So that's my excuse for this season. And It was a tad bit scary when I sat down to think about 30 episodes for this season, and I was done within 10 minutes. So, this season, we're going to do the more popular cases, the more well-known cases, and really, we just have to educate Steven on things true crime.
1: Now, hold on here. (laughs) I'm going to interject, because right before we started, she goes,
0: do you know this one? i just gotta make sure i just have to make
1: sure i mean clearly
0: there are some that i will text him and i'll be like okay does this name ring a bell and he's like lol no and i'm like okay do you know about this person he's like who (laughs) and so i'm like okay the cases i think are well known may not be as well known as i think they are
1: well, and I'll put it this way: this one has some sports ties, so like, right? So of course you that's would know this. Kind one. of the way I know that one. So.
0: so that's my introduction for this season. I am super excited. I feel all—I mean, not that I'm not giddy, literally every single time I write an episode, which again is scary. Um, but I'm super excited about this season in particular. Um, so yeah, with that, season four, we're gonna jump in. This is episode 91, O.J. Simpson. So we're starting in Brentwood, California. O.J. Simpson and Nicole Brown Simpson were recently divorced, and they were living in separate houses, but in the same town. They just lived about six minutes away from each other. So O.J. had a record of spousal abuse towards Nicole. Police were called out to the Simpson house around nine times for domestic assault before the murders. And in 1989, O.J. was found guilty of spousal abuse and pleaded no contest, and he was fined $700. So just before we even get started, before we even talk about murders or anything, O.J. does have a past, and so that's where we're at. So before the starting case, we have so much information specifically about the timeline of this case, and I think... Because, I mean, this was literally such a huge case and still is such a big case. That to create my, like, script for this case was so easy. Because literally there's websites upon websites of just the timeline of this case. So we're just going to go down this timeline. So June 12th, 1994 at 6.30 p.m., Nicole, her children, and some friends all go out to a restaurant for dinner. At 9.15 p.m., Nicole's sister calls the restaurant and says that her mother left her glasses there, so Ronald Goldman, one of Nicole's friends, was going to stop by the restaurant and pick the glasses up. Now around 9 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., in another part of town, O.J. Simpson and his friend, Brian, Kato, Kalen, went to McDonald's for dinner. At 9.45pm, OJ and Kato Am I saying that right?
1: Cato. Kato. That's how I would say it at least.
0: Kato would come home after their dinner. And now at this point, Kato um, was staying at OJ's guest house during this time. So 945 they the two come home. And between 9.48 p.m. and 9.50, Ronald leaves the restaurant with the glasses to head back to Nicole's house. Now, 10.15 p.m., Nicole's neighbors will remember hearing a a dog start barking and crying outside. This is a pointless point, but it comes back later. 10.25 p.m., Alan Park, a limo driver, gets to OJ's house. OJ was scheduled for a red-eye flight that night at 11.45 p.m. So 10.40 p.m. Say it one more time. Good night. says he heard three loud thumps on the outside wall of the guest house. And then between 10.40 and 10.55 p.m., Alan, the limo driver, says he buzzed OJ's intercom several times all with no answer. So then, just right before 11 p.m., Alan says he saw a shadowy figure walk across OJ's driveway towards OJ's house. Alan describes the figure as a six foot tall, 200 pounds.
1: And it so happens to me that OJ is six foot one, 212 pounds. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. The more you know.
0: So 11 p.m., Alan buzzes O.J.'s uh, intercom again. This time, O.J. answers. He tells Alan that he overslept and he just got out of the shower.
1: Okay, hold on one second. So literally within five minutes of this Shattery shadowy shadowy figure. figure walking by his house, he answers it. Now, like now, like wouldn't you also be like, um? Like if you hopped in like if you went in the shower and someone was buzzing your intercom, wouldn't you be like, Yeah, hold on one second. Right. Like I'm gonna hop in the shower. Like yeah. wouldn't you do that?
0: I don't know how the intercom system works, but I would assume that it would tell you. Like, you know what I mean? Like
1: No, it, you know, you know? Like, No, like you know like when like you see in the movies when they like like when right. they're in New York and they buzz their like cable and That's like true. they like Basically, that's essentially what it is. But I is. guess
0: I was also like, I th- guess I was also thinking that there would be something up somewhere where it would be like, time stamped, you got a buzz. Time stamp, you got a buzz. So then also like g- going along with what you said, you could look at this and be like, oh, oh boy buzzed me 15 times in 10 minutes. Maybe I should let him know. I'm going in the shower.
1: Yeah. Well, this is also 1994. You got to remember that.
0: Yeah, and apparently I'm They barely
1: had caller ID back then. (laughs) I say that I was like four months old (laughs) at this time. So
0: now at 10.45 p.m., OJ leaves his house in the limo and heads to the airport for his flight. Then at 12.10 a.m., Nicole's dog would end up leading Nicole's neighbors straight to Nicole and Ronald's dead bodies outside of Nicole's house. They were both found outside of the house on the sidewalk leading up to the house. Now, prosecutors will later say that they believed the dog barks that the neighbors started to hear around 10 p.m. was Nicole's dog, the same one that led the neighbors to the body. So this is kind of like they're looking at 10 p.m. as their time of death. So now, since this time, the house OJ lived in had been torn down and is now a new house um, in its place. So a lot could have changed from this night in 1994 to now. But now, when you look at this street on Google Maps, all of the houses are pretty much on top of each other. So you would think that if it was the same way back then, that someone would have heard something So now let's talk about the evidence we have from this case. At the crime scene, officials find a blood-stained black glove, a knitted hat, and a bloody footprint. So the glove and the hat get sent off for testing. Now, with every case like this, the first person we look at is the spouse or the ex-spouse in this situation. So officials discover that O.J. left the state later that night. So they call O.J., who flew to Chicago. And they tell him the news that they found the dead body of his second wife. And the first thing that comes out of O.J.'s mouth after hearing the news is... Who killed her? So O.J. goes into questioning with police and his interrogation lasts about three hours. Now while being questioned police noticed a cut on one of OJ's knuckles that was still bleeding. When they asked OJ what happened, at first he said that he couldn't remember. Then he said that he cut himself on some glass that he broke. But when police looked into this a little bit further, on the plane that OJ took and in the hotel room that OJ stayed at while he was in Chicago, both places said that they did never had to clean any broken glass when OJ was there. So after OJ's long interrogation, he is released. So police get to OJ's house around 5 a.m. the morning of June 13th, and they start searching his house. One of the first items, or yes, one of the first items of evidence found at OJ's house was another blood-stained black glove The same glove matching the one found at the crime scene. The glove at OJ's house was in the yard by the guest house on the same wall that the loud thumps were heard from. Also at OJ's house was found a bloody sock and in his driveway there was some blood. So all of this evidence is sent off to be tested and soon officials get the results back. DNA was pulled from both of the bloody gloves found at the crime scene and in OJ's yard and blo- both gloves had Nicole, Ronald and OJ's blood on them. The knitted hat found at the crime scene had hairs that were proven to be OJ's hair and then the bloodstained sock found at OJ's house was tested and came back to be Nicole's blood. The blood marked shoe print of the crime scene matched the size shoe that OJ wore and the same sole pattern of the blood mark matched a pair of shoes that OJ owned, but the shoes themselves were never found. And then also, before the murders, O.J. purchased a knife that matched the type of knife that officials said would have been used in the murders, but this knife that O.J. had bought had never been found. So now we're jumping to June 17th, 1994. O.J. would end up being charged with two counts of murder, but he didn't turn himself into police, so he was labeled a fugitive. And this is when the most memorable moment of this case take place. The slow speed car chase. In OJ's white Ford Bronco, OJ was in the passenger seat and in the driver's seat was OJ's friend, Al Collings. When Al was questioned later, he said that OJ was suicidal and he had a gun to his head and that's why he didn't stop the car for police at the time a detective was able to get OJ on the phone and talk to him during this car chase and some of that recorded conversation you can find on the internet but for now you can hear the de- detective say nobody's going to get hurt where OJ replies and says i'm the only one that deserves but he's cut off by the detective who says no you don't deserve that then the detective tells OJ you don't deserve to get hurt, don't do this, where OJ responds with a groan and says, all I did was love Nicole, all I did was love her. Then the car chase would end at OJ's house, where OJ would surrender himself at 8.51 p.m., and he was arrested. And then in the car, police would find makeup adhesive, a fake mustache, a fake goatee, OJ's passport and a gun. Later on, a suicide note that OJ wrote would be found that said he had nothing to do with the murders. He said if Nicole and him had a problem, it was because he loved her so much. So now we go to the trial that starts on January 24th, 1995. Prosecutors had a motive. Nicole and OJ were divorced. But everyone could see that Nicole and Ronald's relationship started to grow, which caused OJ to become jealous. And then, if you look at the timeline created, like you said, if the murders really did happen around 10 p.m., that would have given OJ plenty of time to clean up and get ready for his flight and then leave. So the defense team would alert the jury to mistakes that officials made during their interrogations or investigations evidence wasn't packaged correctly and then it was left in a van to get overheated which led the defense to say that the crime scene could have been contaminated so this information was mentioned to try to make the jury question oj's real involvement in the case
1: so like i I get all that but like isn't that just something i mean granted it could actually be but like isn't that just something where they're like oh yeah like they're just trying to throw something in there to be like no no there's no way he could have done that
0: obviously we'll continue and it grows to kind of major things but yeah at this point they're like well let's grasp onto what we can so yeah another memorable moment with this case happens during the trial when odre tries on the black gloves that were found both at the crime scene and in O.J.'s yard. So during trial, they have O.J. stand up and walk towards the jury to try the gloves on. Now remember, these are the same gloves that were found with the blood on them. They didn't go buy a different pair of the same brand. These are the exact same gloves. So these gloves have been tested on numerous times they have been frozen and unfrozen to preserve them so oj had to wear rubber gloves on his hands before actually trying on the black gloves oj continues to give the glove or tries to get the gloves on showing on his face the struggle it takes to get his hands in there and then shows the jury that the gloves are and i'm putting air quotes around this next part too small Which leads to the famous line from this case, If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Now, (laughs) this next statement will show where I stand with the whole case. But these gloves, they fit. His fingers are in the gloves. They're in the finger holes of the gloves. And if they were the only gloves that OJ had at the time, they would have done the job. So his whole... I can't get them on. I was like, dude, they fit. Besides all of the testing and all of the preserving that the gloves had gone through, they fit. So anyways, that's my um soapbox.
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny. It's just like they're like, Oh yeah, here, try to put these gloves on. And like nobody helps them and be like Right. You know, like in the movies you always see like they're always like they're they're making it work or whatever else but it's just one of those like that's kind of funny how that how that actually played out
0: his whole face is like
1: like he's like like, stupid like he's straining (laughs) to well it's like it's gloves like they're not like four sizes too small exactly
0: i'm like your hands fit your whole like pretty much all of your palm is covered if you needed to you could have worked made it work right so Yeah,
1: that's, that's actually that's actually kind of funny part in this whole thing.
0: Now, around this time, there was a lot of race riots that were happening because a police officer beat a black man and then all of the officers involved were acquitted of all charges. So the defense team used law enforcement racism to say that that was why OJ was arrested from the beginning. Also mentioning that O.J. was put in handcuffs as soon as he was picked up for his interrogation after his plan landed when he wasn't even under arrest yet. So the defense also focused on Detective Mark Furman, who was involved in O.J.'s case. The defense had audio recording of Mark using racial slurs over 40 times in one conversation in one audio recording. This information was important because Mark was the first person to step foot in OJ's house when the search began. He had got to the house by jumping over a wall to get into OJ's yard. Mark was also the person to find the second bloody glove in OJ's yard. So the defense suggested that maybe Mark planted the evidence in OJ's yard, which led the defense to make the jury question whether any of the evidence found at OJ's house could have been planted.
1: Okay, so my thoughts on this one is like it. Yes, he, n- number one, he was wrong to like. It doesn't look good. Go, yeah, go hop the wall, do right. all this, da, da, da. But like at this time, like OJ's like, he's been out of the NFL for a while. Right. Like he's, like, he's a pretty prominent person. Right. At least in, you know, I mean, sports world. And so, like, it, unless this guy just had some, like, not necessarily a vendetta, but like some type of, like, he was feel in some kind of way towards him i mean like like how i mean like how quickly would you be able to plant evidence like that like where you like you planted that second glove with blood on it right so i mean like there i mean yes i can see both sides of it but it's also one of those things of like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to where he's like oh they he planted all this evidence Mm -hmm. i mean so like Yes, he was wrong to, like, go jump the wall. I mean, like, right. he broke protocol right? of, or you know, like, how, how you're really supposed to do it. But, like, other than that, that's really the only thing that was just like, okay, that doesn't really right. add up too much there.
0: They do have, obviously, not the full audio recording that you can listen to on YouTube. Um But... <laughs> this audio kit recording is more beeps than it is words. Um, so it is. And that was what they showed during court. And so that was pretty, you were like, whoa, um, you couldn't even really tell what he was actually talking about because there were so many like slurs that were then being beeped over.
1: Uh, right. Um,
0: so this just, I mean, it isn't a good look. It's not, and it doesn't help the prosecutor's case so october 3rd 1995 it takes the jury less than four hours to come back with a verdict of not guilty so however after this in october of 1996 the families of nicole and ronald sued oj for wrongful deaths and the civil trial went on for a couple of months And the jury found O.J. guilty and rewarded $33.5 million to the victim's families. Now here's a fun piece of information that I don't know if a lot of people know. In 2007, O.J. released a book titled, If I Did It. This book is a hypothetical description of the murders of Nicole and Ronald where O.J. writes what he would have done if he actually did commit the murders. This man Hmm. is crazy. So, if O.J. didn't commit these murders, who did? Now, a name that kind of came out of nowhere all of a sudden was serial killer Glenn Rogers. In a documentary that Glenn's brother did, He mentioned that on Glenn's deathbed that Glenn admitted to killing Nicole and Ronald, but Glenn is already connected to OJ. We will learn that OJ hired Glenn to steal a pair of diamond earrings from Nicole, where OJ tells Glenn that if Nicole got in his way to kill her. So... Could have OJ hired Glenn to do it or was this just Glenn trying to impress everybody on his deathbed by trying to add more names onto the list of people he's killed? We'll never know. So although we don't get justice for Nicole or Ronald's death on September 16th, 2007, OJ was connected to a robbery in Nevada. In this case or in this trial, OJ was found guilty on 12 counts. Including armed robbery and kidnapping, and he was sentenced to 33 years in prison at the age of 60. So, even though we don't see him get anything for these murders, if you believe he committed them, we do see that OJ will more likely spend the rest of his life in jail unless he lives to be the age of 94. So, this is one of those cases that I think we joke about a lot. Um, I remember. I randomly went up to my boss and I was like, did OJ do it? And she's like, yeah, OJ did it. And so that's pretty much like um, a joke that we've kind of like, I get to know you like, do you think OJ did it? Um, I will say I've yet to meet someone who has said no, that OJ has not done it. Um, So, but I thought this was a good one. Because this does have, Steven's a big sports guy, and so this does have the sports connection. Um, And then I feel like out of every, any, the cases on the list that I have, this would have been the case that you would have known. So I was probably like, let's so. start it by doing probably the only one that you would
1: know. It would have been really funny if you would have just saved this one for last, like the very last episode I of the season like, and be like, hey, this is one that you know. This
0: is one that you know.
1: It took thirty twenty nine episodes to get to it, but here we go.
0: But here we go, kicking it off strong. Episode ninety one. I'm super excited we're back. for the season. I've I we I already have uh, not all the episodes written out. I'm not that good yet, but at least have the ideas. Um, and so we're ready. But. Some of these cases I'm iffy about on if they're big enough to kind of line up with all the other cases. So if you have suggestions, you can always let me know on Instagram. Um, There's already been a couple of people who have said, oh, do this one, do this one, do this one. Um, So they've been added to the list. But let us know. Make sure to, um, I almost said subscribe, (laughs) Um, five stars, rate us, review us, do all of those good things. Instagram is at pod Facebook um crimology pod and then we have an email pod at gmail.com make sure to do all of the things we're back y'all so like always this is Sam this is Steven and this is crimology. <laughs>